Mark, why didn't the bear go to college? I hope you're going to improve like you did last time because you seem to be on a good trajectory at the minute. Why didn't the bear go to college? Why didn't the bear go to college? Because it's a fucking bear. <laughs> That's more like it, man. Well done. And oh, before I forget, I'll kill you if this is a joke. You want to die tonight? The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. Why isn't it possible? I can't say nothing. A Candyman, a get me. You choose the movies. I had a heart on this morning when I woke up, Tina. Had your name written all over it. You scroll them. Nice fucking model! You review them. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Why not, you stupid bastard? My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Captain Howdy. Don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. Oh my goddamn soul! It's a beer. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. Hello, hello. No, I'm really not. Like every no. week, it's I just it's not left me yet. I th- I think this is our forever music, and that I kind of thought that would have died down by now, but no, we're still going with it. All right, yeah, we're still going with <laughs> it. Uh, hello, welcome to the You Run Podcast. Your horror dose of well, let me start that again. Welcome to the You Run Podcast. Your weekly dose of horror movie <laughs> reviews. Um, no, did I throw you then? <laughs> you did. Uh, we're part of the You Run Podcast Network and YouRunPodcast.com. My name is Scott. Uh, my name is Mark. Uh, and we're your weekly hosts as we take you into the wonderful world of horror movies. Um, it's a super interactive show where we give you the opportunity to get involved in every way. You can score it. You can review it. You can yeah, do literally everything. And all you need to do is follow us at You Run Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Fred, Slasher app, X or YouTube. Um, if you'd like to follow Mark, you can follow him at MW. No, because he's really annoying no. and he changed it. <laughs> Uh, you can follow Mark at Reviews from the Crypt on Instagram and Slasher and VHS from the Crypt on Instagram and TikTok. Um, yes. You claim you changed that to make it easier for me after I mastered getting MW underscore horror underscore reviews correct every week. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was always the intention to change it anyway. It was one of those things, you know, where like you set up a business and you don't know what to do or call it. So you just use the initials of your name. Yeah. And that was just kind of like the temporary thing. But then here we are like three years later and I still haven't done anything with it. And I was like, I should really sort that out. So I've decided to. And then that's the kind of path that I've chosen to go down. So I haven't changed the website and stuff yet, but I will be doing it at some point. No. And to be fair, your new logos look great. And yeah, reviews from the crypt sounds cool. So does VHS from the crypt. So well done, sir. I think so. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, you can also send us an email, yourunpodcast at gmail.com or record us a voicemail anywhere you can record voicemails. Um, I haven't checked our voicemail, so I will check it quickly now, just in case we have any. Do we have any? Uh, no, we don't have any. None this week. Sorry. Um oh. Uh, you can also leave us a review on lots of different platforms spotify and apple podcasts are the main ones Uh, that really helps the show so if you want to go and do that please do today's episode is so good i can barely contain my excitement 
Nothing. Not e- not even a smile. Not even a smirk. No. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we have a fabulous guest. We have a game of evil audio. Uh, we have a review of a record-breaking horror movie with loads of involvement from all of you. But before we do any of that, let's do our weekly news. I'm going first with something because I need to get it off my chest and I'm very angry and very annoyed. Terrifier 3. The fandom, for, the fandom for Terrifier 3 are toxic and horrible. And because of that, Terrifier 3 is banned from the show. Fuck you guys. <laughs> you don't have the power to do that, my friend. Uh, you do not have the power to ban things from this show. This is a you run podcast. Okay. Terrifier 3 will never appear in a poll for the you run podcast. That's Not fine. Be- People can just put in a request for it and we will do it. Well, we'll see. They're going to have to be some pretty <laughs> heartfelt requests. I done a post that was uh, Terrifier 3 set of Christmas, hard pass. I got 186 comments of people calling me an arsehole. I don't understand what your beef is with this. Christmas movies are great, and especially around horror. I think they look uh- fantastic, and I think Terrifier is going to be a cool... Sort but of not, film to take place at Christmas. They're not even doing it right. They're releasing it in fucking October. How stupid are they? It's a Christmas movie they're releasing on the 29th of October. Idiots. Mate, you were putting posts about Mariah Carey songs on the 29th of October. You're just <laughs> as bad as everybody else. <laughs> well, anyway, that's that's my bit, my rant. It's over. I've drawn a line under it. Terrifier <laughs> 3, it's not happening. Um, what have you got this week? <laughs> Uh, my first bit of news is, unfortunately for Pennywise fans out there, Welcome to Dairy has been delayed until 2025. Um, I can't say I really care, personally. Whoa! <laughs> 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 uh, um, nobody can see this, and you won't be able to see it on YouTube because our guest is not visible to you yet. But our, our guest today is wearing a Pennywise T-shirt and just stood up, and we just got Pennywise full screen. Yeah, and I was looking down at my phone, reading my news notes, and looked up, and that scared the shit out of me then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm not really that bothered about this, to be honest with you. I love the movies. I think they're great. I'm not that excited about the TV series. Mm, um, I, I'm not. There's no Bill Skarsgård. Maybe they're going to take the time and go cast Bill Skarsgård like they should have done in the first place. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why the delay is due to scheduling conflicts and they are trying and working hard to try and get him back for it. Because if they don't have him, I don't think it's going to work at all. No, I, I agree. Um, I've got a bit of news that you will like because this is completely in your wheelhouse. Uh, Tick Croc, which is a play Ooh. on TikTok. So this is a TikTok creator who decides to... It's found footage. TikTok creator decides to go into the Amazon to look for the world's biggest crocodile. Really bad weather hits and separates him from his camera team. And he finds the world's biggest crocodile. Crocodile tries to eat him. There's your movie. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. I really really cool. I I like the sound of this. I like the fact that found footage for a crocodile works really well because that's it's a really up close and personal animal to attack you i think yeah. i think it sounds great yes yeah, so i think like Deadstream, but with a giant crocodile yeah that sounds great to me i'm all over that yeah m- me too so that's one that when we get more news on it i'll update you um coming at some point in 24 but they've not released more details yet yeah i like monster movies i like shark movies crocodile movies i think they all 
work really, really well for what they are, which is just mindless entertainment. They don't need yeah. a great amount of depth to them. No. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, my next bit of news is Blumhouse is doing a remake of the Danish horror movie Speak No Evil. Um, I haven't seen the Danish original, but I I have heard it is amazing, absolutely incredible. Um, so I'm I am going to try and check out the Danish version in the next week or so. But it's got um, James McAvoy attached to star in it, along with James Watkin, who is writing and directing it. Um, I don't know who James Watkin is. I should have really checked on what his previous movies were before I kind of came in here with this statement. But I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Sometimes they don't necessarily work well when they try and do like a foreign movie and convert it into an Americanized thing. Um, some of them work well, some of them don't. So you've got Ring, Let the Right Ones In, the upcoming Train to Busan, Last Train to New York. Yeah. Um, the one, the worst one I've seen so far is Quarantine, where they took Wreck and Americanized that. That was fucking dreadful. Um, I, I liked that, but anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So that's that's my last bit of news for this week. Is for those who are fans of Speak No Evil, which I know there are many of you out there, you're going to get an Americanized version of it in 2024. Okay, uh, my last bit is I'm going to do a bit of horror gaming news that we don't do very often. Um, there is a game coming in early 2024 called Paranormal Tales. Now, if you've ever seen anything like Ghost Adventurers or Ghost Hunters, this is that. You pay, play a member of a paranormal investigation team that goes into a haunted house and you investigate. I think you do multiple houses and the level of difficulty and the level of ghosts slash demons you encounter increases in difficulty as you play along um they've right. released a brief trailer where you see a bloke go into a room and you get like a hand around the corner of a wall so as the character you run in there and as he runs in there there's nothing in there when he turns around he gets like dragged down the hall by an unseen force it looks incredible yeah that sounds quite cool i imagine that's a concept that would work really well for vr yeah yeah, um, it, it, I'm, I, I'm not a big modernized gamer. I don't really play a lot of like newer console games. I've um, been playing um, Five Nights at Freddy's VR recently. Oh, cool! Is it all right? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's um, it gets you quite consistently. Like it, it lulls you into a full sense of security where you're like, "Yeah, that's I'm okay. I've just looked at the monitors. I know they're all over there. I'm in this hall. I know they're all the other side." You turn round and there is something an inch from your nose. Yeah, okay. No, I'm not. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Yeah, um, I need to get back into gaming. I really do. It's just I don't know. If I ever have got time to go and game, I'll put on like Mario and probably complete it in two hours, or I'll do Sonic Two and probably do that in forty-five minutes because I've mastered the maps on that game. But, like, if you pick a new modern game these days, they consume so much of your time. Like, you can yeah. play a game for, like, three months. Like, the last sort of really big games I played were, like, the Batman Arkham series. Yeah. And, like, to collect all the little things on the map. It took me about six months. That's six months of my life I'm never getting back from playing that game. I don't begrudge yeah. it. It was great. But and <laughs> after I'd completed it, I was like, oh, was it worth it? <laughs> and you're one of those really anal people that goes and opens every box and opens every door and goes in every cupboard. <laughs> Yeah, because the thing is, as well, especially on PlayStation, I don't know if they do this on, like, Xbox and stuff like that, but you get, like, trophies. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you load the game up, it tells you how much of the percentage of the game you've completed. 
Yeah. So, like, what's the point if you're not going to do 100%? To get 100% is fucking hard, especially on, like, the newer Resident Evil games, because you have to complete them on, like, ultra, ultra hard mode without taking any damage from start to finish. You can get, like, six hours into a game and get a bite, and you're like, fuck, and you have to start the whole thing over again. Yeah, I'm like, no. yeah, I'm not, I don't have that kind of commitment at the minute. No, I, I'm just a play it till the story ends, then switch it off kind of guy. Yeah, no, that would endure me. I'd lose, I'd lose sleep knowing that it wasn't complete and it was there on oh, my no. screen. No, I see, I see the end story credits. I'm like, yeah, great, done. Next game. Yeah, you're a, you're <laughs> a better man than I am. <laughs> anyway, that's enough of that. Um, let's welcome our guest, um, host of the Ghoulish Gallery, uh, creator of the Sinister Scoop website, author, editor. Pretty much all round superhero, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, making a return to the show after over a year since she was with us last, it's Tasha. Hi, Tasha. How you been? Good, but it's mighty bold for somebody like you who never sleeps and does everything to call anybody else a superhero. Like, doesn't matter yeah, what time of day. We don't call him a superhero. We just call him a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you need to support his jokes a little better. I'm just saying that <laughs> oh, barely contain man. it thing. <laughs> great. Yeah, I think that one went completely over my head. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I think my <laughs> jokes have my jokes have improved in the last two months. I mean, the mark wasn't very high though, to be honest. You're mean. <laughs> um, the nerve. This week, we are taking a dive into a video game adaptation that has been almost a decade in the making. Uh, the return of Matthew Lillard to a feature-length horror movie has been even longer, 20 years since he's been in a feature-length horror movie. Um, there's also some guy from The Hunger Games and a shitload of animatronic killer animals. Um so if you're Freddy, no, not even that one, nothing. No, well, never mind. Um, it's time to join us for Five Nights at Freddy's. Hi, this is Mike. I was just calling to see if that job that you offered was still available. Yes. The security guard. I will take anything. This place was huge in the 80s with the kids. They shut it down years ago. The owner's just not ready to let it go yet. I will work and you will sleep. I understand. Come here, Ed. All you have to do is keep your eyes on the monitor. Welcome to Freddy Fazbear's, where fantasy and fun come to life. Okay. You must be a new security guard. Can I uh, help you, officer? Have you met them yet? Met who? Them. kids went missing the police searched freddy's top to bottom hello they never found them that's why the place shut down there are ghost children possessing giant robots thanks for the heads up technically they're animatronics what do they want they want to make her like them 
Papi! Tell me how to stop them. <laughs> It's too late. Papi, go! <laughs> Too. Why do I always get the weirdos? So the listeners scored the movies. Uh, they scored this an eight out of ten. IMDb rocked in at five point six out of ten, and Letterbox in at two point seven. Um, I I got questioned a lot over the last six months as to why we don't use Rotten Tomatoes as a scoring option. Um, I'm going to mention it now. So the reason we don't use Rotten Tomatoes is. It's really out of touch and it's really hard to gauge a movie. And I'm going to give you the perfect example. So, for example, on the on the movie we're covering today, uh, the critics score this 26%. They say it's shit. Wow. Um, <laughs> the audience score this 89%. Yeah, I, I always struggle with Ron Tomatoes as well. I don't think they're a very authentic platform for for scoring movies um no it's you can't get a gauge on how good that movie is the critics say it's terrible the audience say it's great what does that mean is it somewhere in the middle is it it doesn't give you an average of the both no. together it's, no. so yeah everyone who asks why we don't use rotten tomatoes that's why because they're, because they're terribly inaccurate they're rotten even yeah let's give you a little bit of synopsis for this so long after the hunger games peter is hard up on his luck and he's struggling to hold down a job while he looks after his little sister until he gets the offer of a lifetime to work as a nighttime security guard at a closed restaurant uh little did he know foxy things would get uh, <laughs> little did he know <laughs> i tried to be clever uh, little did... i know i know and i'm so glad that that went uh, horribly wrong for you I-, I will try again uh little did he know how foxy things would get and it wouldn't be as bonny as he would have liked. He is determined, though, and he's definitely not going to be a cheeker about it. So he decides to grin and bear it as the evil animatronics try to cut his life short. Was it worth it? I don't think it was now. I don't think it was either. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, uh, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Tried so hard. <laughs> I, I did. It's, it's like the episode of The Simpsons where Bart gives a, a cake that says, at least you tried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh. Um, uh, this is a new release. We are a spoiler-heavy show. If you've not seen this and you're worried we're going to ruin it, we will. Um, go and watch it and then come back and listen to our full thoughts. If you don't care, stick around. Uh, for anyone who didn't get that, because I speak in quite a polite and dulcet tone, um, here's Heather to make it a little bit clearer for for all of you. You can read the fucking episode title and be like, I've never seen this. Don't fucking listen to it then. If y'all haven't seen it, that's not anybody's problem. Don't listen to the damn episode yet. Love Heather. Can't fault Love. Heather. Okay, for the purposes of this review, we're going to avoid as much as we can discussion of the actual game law, and instead we're going to focus on what we actually watched, and we'll save any of the game law for facts and for our roundups, because I think that's, if we start diving into the game law midway through, we could go off on a tangent that will last forever, so we're going to keep that out of the review and 
have it later. I'll mention bits, but we're not going to dive into it too much. Um, yeah. Movie opens with a very terrified security guard. Um, I love this cold open. He's he's running around. He's frantic, and the only way I can describe it, he gets grabbed by a teddy bear that you don't see properly, and he gets thrown in a teddy bear saw trap. Yeah, I thought it was very yeah. Thor-esque, wasn't it? I, I love the, the look of this as well. So this thing comes, it's a giant teddy bear mask that's got spinning blades inside it, and it comes down and mangles your face. Awesome. Is that the bear? Or is Tobin that Bell came up with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that the bear's <laughs> mask, or is that just like another little thing that they have? It's another, it's another animator. That's kind of, they kill you in the suit, then you stay in the suit as a ghost. Right, okay. So effectively, they're trying to make more characters, more people. Because I didn't know if that was Freddy or not. No, that's not Freddy. That was just a random security. That was the predecessor to the guard we're about to get. No, no, no. I know it's not the actual character. I thought like the mask was the Freddy bear it, mask. It is a Freddy fast bear mask. There's there's quite a few Freddies in this. So there's there's actually two Freddies that are up and moving about in this movie. And I don't know if you noticed when they switched and there was a different Freddy. I'll, I'll when we get when we get to it, I'll tell you when there's a different Freddy. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Oh. I didn't know that. So there's a point. That's where a there's, different one. Yeah. There's two Freddies on the go at one point in this movie. Uh, okay. Right, okay. okay. I think I know what you're talking about. But um we meet Peter from the Hunger Games Morkop edition. Um <laughs> Yes. Is, is, what, is his name not Mike? Yeah, his name's Mike, yeah. but he was Peter in the Hunger Games, which is kind of where I know him from. Oh, uh, right, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. I think he does great in this movie. And I I kind of like thought when I first saw him, I was like, oh, you're not really like leading man quality to be the mainstay focus of this movie, but I think he carries it very, very well. And I was a bit dubious about him at first. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. His acting ability is not necessarily in this, but as a general rule, he is a phenomenal actor. Yeah, really, really cool, man. Really good. I thought he did great in this. And um, yeah, it's kind of changed my outlook as his character as well. Because I always, every time I see him, I'm like, you're like the best friend in a movie. You're like the, the sort of sidekick to the main character. And I know that sounds really harsh to say to him, but he, I thought he was really good in this. Yeah, he's he's a great character. Um, we get a discussion where he's he's talking to his colleague about his dreams with his workmate, and he's like, "Yeah, I use dreams. It helps me like relax." And and it's it's a really odd conversation. And at this point, I'm like, "What the fuck is this shit? And why is it in my movie?" I, I didn't yeah. get it. <laughs> No, no, I didn't understand why they were going with it either. It didn't make an awful lot of sense to me so early on why he was so obsessed with dreams and stuff like that. Obviously, I knew it was going to serve a purpose, but it didn't give us Mm. enough exposition early on for me to sort of be like, oh, right, okay, this is why. Yeah, Um, we see him walking through the the supermarket where he works or the the mall where he works, and he goes to get some ice, the mall, um, and he goes to get some ice cream. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) <laughs> don't make fun of me i'm sitting right here <laughs> um, he goes to get some ice cream while he's getting some ice cream he sees a man dragging a child by the arm and his reaction is to go and chase this man because he thinks this kid's being abducted i completely agree as soon with as his i response. saw that kid standing there uh-oh 
Yeah, and I agree with his response right up until after he tackled him into the water. So he tackles him into a water fountain and then beats the poor guy within an inch of his life. Yeah, and when this first happened, I was like, holy shit, that is the biggest overreaction I've ever seen to anything in my entire life. But further on into the movie as we get, it kind of makes a little bit more sense why you would have that trigger warning to a situation like that. Yeah, and to be honest, I think if I saw someone dragging yeah. a kid away, I would question that. I don't think I'd beat the shit out of but I'd question it at a minimum. Yeah, Once he starts screaming, board. Daddy? Like... That's yeah. what I was going to say, that bit where he's like, oh, Daddy, I'm like, oh, no, dude, what have you done? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's incredibly violent. I was shocked at how violent this bit was. Like the, yeah, the ta- I, it... tackle into the pool and it, he does not stop hitting him, and he's there's water going everywhere. And his hands are coming up, and they're covered in blood. It's like he's dead already. Leave him alone. Yeah, he, he <laughs> loses it completely, doesn't he? It really, really does. Uh, this is where we cut to Matthew fucking Lillard in some, one of the most creative pieces of casting. Whoever decided to cast Matthew Lillard as a career counselor, my god, he had fun with this role. <laughs> yeah. He's great. He's great. Oh, absolutely. Like he he's there and he's looking okay. through the file and he's like, um, yeah, so you've had a lot of jobs. He's like, Yeah, I have. He's like, I, I don't I don't know if we, we've got anything for you. Yeah, just too violent. Just just a nasty guy in the black. It's like, okay, well, well, thank thanks for that. And he goes to leave and Matthew's like, Well, well, wait, wait, don't don't go. I've got a job for you. I'm not an arsehole. <laughs> well, yeah, because he sees his name, doesn't he? He sees his last name in the folder. Yeah. Because at this point, he's got very dismissive of this guy until he realises who he is. Yeah, and that plays full circle later. But yeah, he spots his, he reads his first name and then he gets to his second name and he doesn't say it. And he goes, I have got a job for you. Um, it's not the best job offer in the world. No. Before we move on, though, I just want to ask about his last name because he never says it. And is it is it like a thing? It's the character name from the the game but it's also the name of one of the victims right because it's never mentioned even when he meets um vanessa later on she asks him his name and he's he yeah. she introduces herself both first and last name and then he just responds with his first name I'm like they're doing a weird thing where they're not letting us know what his last name is and i don't understand why it is to try and keep the reveal from the audience who aren't fans fans instantly knew what this was this is no there's no shock so they never reveal this. it that they, they never do. Reveal it. They reveal it right at the end, where they reveal his name is Schmidt. And what's the re- what is the purpose of that then? I know we're trying to avoid going into the games uh, and stuff, but for Ma- someone who hasn't played well, the games, I don't understand why it's Math- Matthew Lillard kidnapped and killed his brother. Yeah, there's also Schmidt. That's why he gave him the job because he knew it was a victim he'd already had, and he wanted to complete the set. Right, but why keep the last think- name from the audience? We already knew all that. Uh, I don't know. They just did. <laughs> oh, okay. Perfect <laughs> explanation. Cheers. Let <laughs> Scott speak for stop asking questions. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to have to do that a lot with this film. Uh, to, to to quote you, <laughs> that something you say a lot when I question you, a film's got a film. I know, but it doesn't got a film. It doesn't make any sense to withhold that information from the audience. It really doesn't. Anyway, the job he gets offered is really bad. It's nights. The pay's not good. And he's like, look, I, I can't do nights. I can't work nights. I've got I've got someone to look after. I, I can't do that. Sorry. And Matthew is like, okay, then. Well, anyway, there's my card. If you change your mind, just, just give me a call. Um, 
we meet the babysitter when he gets home. Is it just me or did the babysitter desperately want to be with him? Yes. That's the impression I got when she's like, I wish I would get a ring. Like, just come right out and be like, hey, will you marry me? Yeah. Like, that is absolutely the impression I got from that. Yeah. It, yeah, because like... she's doing this for free. She's not getting paid, even though he keeps saying, oh, I do, but I tend to pay you eventually. Yeah. She's uh, giving up her time because she just wants to be in his aura, I think, because she's smitten by this man. Yeah, and he's got no regard whatsoever. He's like, okay, anyway, thanks a lot. Okay, bye-bye now. <laughs> Close yeah. the door. <laughs> um, we meet his little sister, which up until this point, I kind of thought was his daughter. I thought he had a daughter. Um, oh. And it was kind of yes. here that I, I twigged and went, oh, okay, maybe it's not. Um, she draws a lot. And her drawings aren't, aren't they're, they're weird drawings. They're like, they're all like family drawings, but it's always him like at the center, which I noticed at this point, and then someone points it out quite clearly later for anyone who didn't see it. Um, yeah. I, I kind of think their relationship is a little bit awkward. It's meant to be awkward, but I felt awkward as an audience member watching these two interact. Yeah, I think this is one of the most well-written parts of the film, though. Like, it's very not relatable for me as a person, but I kind of empathise with the situation that they've both found themselves in and they're trying to negotiate this dynamic where he's become her sole carer and responsible for her and he's taken on a father of role and he's caring for her and she doesn't know how to emotionally deal with the fact that he's not her father, he's a brother, and he doesn't know how to deal with the fact that she's not his daughter, she's his sister, but they found themselves in this dynamic and I feel like it plays out really, really well. Like you can feel the emotional trauma that they're both going through throughout. And it's so subtle as well. It's not like it shoves it down your throat. I just think it really, really handled well in this film. Yeah, and I think I think as a child actress, I think she's very good as well. I was very impressed with how good she was. Yeah, there's a few yeah. moments where she's a bit wonky, but as a whole, I thought she was quite impressive, considering that most child actors in these films aren't always the best quality, especially when she does the more comedic stuff later on. I think she's great. Best thing that they did was to make her his sister instead of his daughter. Like, I mean, just knowing him and he's got that baby face too. I, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, there's no way that's his daughter. Like that, that alone. I understand that this is a movie about talking haunted animatronics, but I cannot believe that's his daughter. Casting side of things as well is pretty impressive because she looks very much like his younger brother in the flashbacks. They look very similar in terms of, sibling casting i think that was a good side to it as well yeah oh yeah yeah the chemistry they all had and everything was was done really well yeah it really was we get our first dream sequence so mike gets himself set for bed he puts his headphones on he um he looks at a picture on the wall that's uh, think of vancouver i think could be wrong nebraska nebraska um and then he puts his headphones on playing like sounds of birds chirping and he goes to sleep Uh, We jump straight into his dream sequence, which is him stood in a campsite and his brother's gone missing and he's looking for his brother. And the next thing you see is a car driving away with his brother at the back window. This is a horrific story to tell in this sort of movie. I was like, bear in mind, this is PG-13. This is really hard hitting on that note for younger audiences as an adult i found this i was like oh that's awful yeah and i think they handled the subtlety of it as well because the last thing that his mother says to him is keep an eye on your brother 
Yeah. So therefore, he's already got the emotional guilt of having to deal with the fact that it was his responsibility to keep an eye on him. And while he was keeping watch, he got abducted. Yeah. It's awful. But it's just so subtle, so subtle, but so purposeful as well at the same time. Yeah, and it's really, really powerful. Um, we go from this and we we meet the um, the little girl's aunt um, as she's at the school and she's they're having a meeting with the teacher and she's serving him papers to take full custody. I have never hated a character in a horror movie as much as I hate this woman. Oh, she's full oh, on Coella de Vil level. I like that they that she took the time to be like, okay, just because she doesn't meet your idea of a normal child doesn't mean that she's automatically like a mentally ill child. Yeah, she calls um, them mentally ill. That's part she? of like what turned me off to her character. Right. She's like, oh, yeah, she's obviously a mentally ill child because she draws pictures all day. Like, well, half yeah. of my friends are artistic. So I guess I guess that explains a lot. But <laughs> she just she was so good at just being so wretched. And her lawyer, I think, is one of the funniest characters in this whole movie. He yeah. made me laugh so much. And I used to work with somebody who looks and acts just like that. So I just, he had me rolling the entire time. The the lawyer's great. And he's almost, he, he strikes me as a sort of character, almost like they plucked him out of like the mm-hmm. Adams family. He's got that level of goofy overacting. And like, he sat there like, clutching his briefcase because he's obviously terrified of this horrible woman and she's like the papers and he's like staring off into space she's like the papers and he has this like mantic like panic like, oh shit yeah yeah there you go sorry 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 it's like yeah he's, he's great um, yeah the teacher here does something really good where mike turns around to her and goes look maybe they're right maybe i'm not doing a, a good job and the teacher's like look she draws a lot and that's how children communicate when they're young through drawings because it's easier for them and who's at the center of every single one of her drawings and he's like i am he's like there you go that that's all you need to know everything else around it is irrelevant have you got a job yet and he's like no not yet she's like that would be a good place to start if you're going to fight this yeah and it's the perfect setup because that's genuinely a conversation that a teacher or a social worker, that's the conversation they would have with that person in this situation where the first thing you need to do is get a job. You need to show you can provide. And it it all rings as very authentic. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this level of weight from this kind of film, to be honest with you. And it, it just, it's really, really good, in my opinion, the way that they, they set all of this up and have the stakes for a film like this, because it could quite easily fall into the category of just being a basic run-of-the-mill puppet fireground animatronic movie and just yeah. but it holds so much more weight because of these side plots yeah and i, and I applaud it for that i really do because it, it really made me invest a lot more of my time and focus into the movie than i was expecting to i was just i was just expecting to have this on in the background and like oh it's just a fun little movie with killer puppets but no it kind of got me invested so much more than i was expecting it to yeah, I was fully invested in in both yeah, of the characters. Was, absolutely. And I felt like the stakes were kind of higher on his end to prove himself because if it's a parent-child relationship, I think they're going to be less likely to take her away. But with it being a sibling relationship and there being other adult family members who are trying to get custody, um, even though the teacher clearly knew who she would be better off with, you know, that doesn't mean that listen to what she has to say so i think he definitely felt 
the extra pressure of, you know, he's got a much higher chance of losing her if he doesn't get it together. Yeah, and it makes you root for him a lot more than you should do, I think. Um, you want him to succeed and do well in this situation. Yeah, and then as a fan of the franchise, when he takes the job, I was like, oh, that's not how- You should have got another job. Don't take this job. <laughs> um, I, I love this bit, though. He makes the call to take the job, and you get Matthew. see clips of Matthew. It's flicking between him and Matthew Lillard, and Matthew Lillard's going, I'm just going to give you the rules for the job. It's it's really easy, but I need you to fully understand everything. And it shows him pulling up to the pizzeria and why he's doing this. You've got the voiceover of Matthew Lillard giving him the rules. And they they cover so many little plot holes. It's like the electrics here can be a little bit bad. If that happens, what you need to do is go and reset the breaker. Keep an eye on the monitors. Keep the place tidy. Keep people out. And it kind of sets up everything that's going to come. Matthew Lillard covers in this brief, like, list of rules you must follow. It covers almost like beat for beat what the plot of the movie is from here on out. And it was for me, it was just like I'm listening to this. And it's very similar to the opening exposition of the game, which is great. I've not played it, so I have no context. So when you when you start the game, you've got a voiceover. It's not Matthew Lillard, but you get a voiceover that gives you this same exposition. The electrics are a bit dodgy. You need to watch the monitors. You need to do this. And it's it's exactly the same and framed the same way. It's it's really, really good. Um, Freddy's Pizzeria is the most accurate to a game adaptation of a location I have ever seen in my life. This is screen accurate good. Wow, that's cool. I um I like the guard room, like how it was laid out, because I have never played the game, but I watched in preparation for this, I watched a bunch of like the Let's Plays playthroughs. Um and it that was one of the things I loved about his phone call, even having not played it, is it just felt so much like, you know, getting that voicemail that first night that you're listening to while you're getting your instructions and everything. They did really well. Yeah, I mean, even to the extent that on the sign there's a couple of lights out and they're the same lights out that are in Fright Nights at Freddy's 3. It's, oh, are they? Uh, the level of detail they went to is ridiculous. How many games is there? Is, there not, uh, is this not just one game? No, there's Five Nights at Freddy's, one, two, three, four, five, Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, one where he's in space. I can't remember what that one's called. There's one that's set in a bathroom. Are these like these are mobile games, aren't they? They're not like proper game games. Uh, you can get them on both now. Right. Okay. They're fabulous games. You would you would actually probably enjoy them. They're they're very strategic, and you have to think about what you're doing type of games. Right. Okay. Okay. Maybe I should check them out. I don't know. It just never really appealed to me when it was all the rage back in the day. I remember everybody banging on about it. But I never tried it. Well, they're good enough games that they're still not free. Right. Okay. Night one. Um, he gets the training video. This training video is great and enormously tacky. Where this woman's like, "Hey, welcome to Freddy Fazbear's. You're his new security guard. Aren't you so lucky?" I love this. <laughs> Screamed eighties. Yeah. yeah, and he's watching it, and he's kind of like fucking eye rolling this woman, like, "Oh God, what have I done?" Um, and then he goes to put his stuff in his locker, and we get the first jump scare, which is Balloon Boy in the locker this was great i hate I ju- that thing <laughs> this this got me this one. Oh god it's so hard not to talk about the games because i feel like this is like a pivotal thing to like the games is this balloon boy thing because it makes an appearance in the post-credit scenes but i'm like 
No, get it. Is like that thing alive as well, or no? That that thing's just that thing's as annoying in the movie as it is in the game. It just pops up when you're expecting a jump scare. You get the fucking balloon boy and not the jump scare. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So <laughs> it is quite fearful. Then. Yeah, it, it serves the same purpose it served in the video games. Um, he goes to explore the restaurant, um, and then we get some noises and we get a first look at the animatronics. A peek behind the curtain on the stage. We don't get much more than that. And he goes for his second sleep. And he has another dream sequence where it's exactly the same again. But this time there's kids that are there. So he sees his brother get kidnapped. And then there's all these kids stood around. And he goes to chase one of them. And he trips and he wakes up. And he's back in Freddy Fazbear's. He's like, oh, shit. It then cuts to him back at home with the babysitter again doing this handover because now not she's not babysitting during the day anymore she's now doing night shift babysitting and again she's so like oh hi how was your night shift he's like yeah he's so dismissive he's so so, i think this is a guy thing because like i've had people who i know have been into me before and i'm oblivious i i need it spelling out like in crayon to understand are you the same mark Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, like literally, come up to my face and give me a letter for me to understand. Yeah, I need and it I, in writing. I, and I'm going to say this to all women listening: um, we do not understand hints. We don't understand subtle hints. We don't understand really obvious hints. You need to just tell us whether that's a gift you want or somewhere you want to go, or if you like us, you need to actually say it. Because if you don't, we have no clue. I've had that many no. times on like birthdays and stuff like that, where my wife's been like, oh, I've been going on about this thing for months. I'm like, just say that's what you want. I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. I was like, yeah. she's like oh, I've been building this up. I knew my birthday was coming and I've been telling you about this thing that I really like. I'm like, you should have just said, get me this for my birthday and you would have had it. So yeah. just know for future <laughs> references. If you want something, you need to tell me properly. <laughs> Yeah, as a general rule, we are very simple creatures. Tell us what you require and what you want, and we will be able to respond to it accordingly. Yeah, I said to her as well, I was like, you know how much easier my life would have been if you'd have just said that was the thing you wanted instead yeah. of me having to try and work out what I should have got you and actually yeah. pretend like I was paying attention to the conversations we've had over the six, past six months. <laughs> We got to really... blame it on the poor guy being tired. But, I mean, if you guys want to sit here and knock men, like, we can – Make a whole season out of this. <laughs> oh, man. We could do that ourselves. We don't need any help on that side. <laughs> um, we got a scene that I didn't expect. We get the aunt and the lawyer sat in a cafe with the babysitter and her brother. Uh, this is great, where she reveals that the babysitter's there trying to dig up dirt on Mike, which I, I still don't get it. I don't think she was looking very hard. It was just, no. a, we, we're getting some money out of this. The brother's really into it. He's like, maybe we could kill him. And the woman's like, oh, maybe. The impression I got was that she probably, the aunt probably approached the babysitter's brother. And if she threw money at him, then he would have been kind of the the leading force in that. Because she, Max, I think was her name. She, I really don't think she had any interest in trying to sabotage him at all. I think maybe she went into it with that initial idea. 
But then once she found herself be. in the situation and she got to know him and their dynamic, I think she maybe had a change of heart. But when this came about in the diner and you first see them sat opposite each other on the table, I was like, oh, no way, what a bitch. <laughs> I was like, no, don't do that. I liked you. I liked you up until this point. I was kind of rooting for you to try and get with Mike at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact that one of them suggests killing and the lawyer's like, I shouldn't be here. And she's like, shut up, Larry, sit down. I don't know if his name's Larry, but that is like, shut he up. He looks like sit- a Larry. Yeah, shut up and sit down. And then he's like, I laughed so hard. And then he's like, ah, oh, hold on. He's got a job as a security guard. And his job is to keep the place safe and everybody out. Why don't we go and trash it? And again, the lawyer's like, I need to leave. She's like, shut up, Larry. It's yes. I like the injection of humor here as well, because it's not a horror comedy per se. No. But like the comedy elements really add a lot to this movie, but they're also not so much at the forefront. You just get these little bits every now and again, which gives you a nice break from the pace. Yeah. And this one was a big highlight for me in this diner. I thought with the lawyer was particularly well done. We're going to night two. Um, he's taking his poster off his ceiling. Um, his sister kicked up holy hell. She wanted to go with him, but she wasn't allowed. Um, like he basically, he basically like manhandles her back. He like lifts her up, puts her in her bedroom, closes the door, and goes. Turns around to the babysitter and goes, "Good luck with that. I'm going to work. Door closed." Yeah, it's your problem now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like this a lot. I like the fact that they don't instantly give us like we're we're on the second night now and we still haven't got that big animatronic hit yet. All we get is we see the lights start to flicker. And then we see the shadow of Foxy in the doorway where the lights have moved. And Mike fixes the lights and the shadow disappears. And then he goes into his third his third dream sequence. Um, this one is an exact replica of the last one. He chases the kids and he runs. And this time he doesn't trip and he grabs one of the kids. And this kid has got a hook for a hand. This kid cuts him and he wakes up. The lights are going nuts. There's Foxy by the door. Like the whole place is in fucking chaos. All the music mm-hmm. is playing. Um, th- this is great. He pulls the breaker, and like everything stops. I I love this. And like once he's pulled the breaker, all you can hear is like banging on the door. Mm. And he checks yes. the security camera. He's like, ah, oh, someone at the door. Um, Lady Cop Vanessa. Uh, Tasha, thoughts on Vanessa? I have a lot. Um, I was immediately suspicious. Um, I don't know anything. Well, I've learned after the fact, like some of the game lore stuff with Vanessa, but, um, yeah, it just, it just seems sketchy. Like, especially having worked in law enforcement, like if we have to do building checks and stuff, it's very rare that, you know, unless there's a specific reason for them to get out and go investigate a building. Like, they're just kind of going to drive through, sit in the parking lot for a minute, hey, it's all good here, and move on. So that she made the effort to, like, come to the door. Like, how did she know there's a new security guard? Yeah. What what knowledge does she have? Yeah, you're in the same place as me. Instantly when she's knocking the door, when he opened the door, she's like hi and kind of walks in i was like you are dodgy so dodgy it's untrue yeah yeah this 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 person wow um vanessa vanessa wow um where do i even start with this performance by this actress by the way 
Her name is Elizabeth Fail or Lail, I think she's called. She is dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. She gives one of the most unbalanced and wonky performances I think I've ever seen in my life. She is so dodgy. And it's not even a case of the fact that she's dodgy as a character. She's dodgy because her acting's dodgy. She's so weird. So weird. Like, overdramatic. Almost like Kirsten Stewart from Twilight Level. That's how bad she is <laughs> in some of the stuff she does. And I'm like, wow, that's not how humans behave. It's really not. And then she's got the cheek to turn around and say that Mike's being suspicious. I'm like, you cheeky pitch, you are suspicious. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's because we're supposed to be suspicious of her as a character. Or we're just, she's just so bad. She's yeah. dreadful, like really, really poor. And I don't, I don't, I recognize her face from somewhere, but I can't think for the life of me what she's in. But no, yeah, yeah I, she I, looked really familiar. Th- this whole she sequence should. is weird though, because she's like, she tells him to quit, and then she's like, well, you're not going to quit, so let me show you something really cool. And then she goes and hits the showtime button, and we get all of the animatronics now, the curtains open, they're all playing guitars, and she weirdly asks him to dance before mentioning some missing kids. And, like, there's an electrical fault, and Mike's like, like, everything shuts off. He's like, what was that about missing kids? She's like, anyway, let's go get you a security badge. And she digs out, like a toy security badge and gives it to him. She's like, you're official now. The whole sequence is just odd. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, comes up with this idea. She's like, oh yeah, I used to come here a lot as a kid. I really like this place. And that's why she's like so familiar with the place and the settings and all the locations. I'm like, you are just weird. Just, just yeah, go, was... get off the screen. She was sketchy. Yeah. Really odd. Um, he leaves and the babysitter's brother arrives with his mates. And like the second this happened, I was like, now we're going to get what I've been waiting for for 40 minutes. Now we're going to get the reveal of Jim Henson's last two years of work. And it did not disappoint me at all. Um, the first guy goes into the kitchen and he opens the fridge and in the fridge is Carl the Cupcake. And I love Carl the Cupcake. He's great. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I have a question about Carl the Cupcake. Is he his own individual thing? Or he, is he just like an embodiment of the duck? Are they he, together? Are they the shared? Yeah, they're kind of together. In He does have his own kind of thing going on. There's a huge amount of lore to this. A huge amount that's built up by fans a huge amount that's made in the games and it's made the the law for this i would probably argue is one of the most complicated and convoluted laws of any game series i just couldn't work out whether he was like batman and robin with the duck and the cupcake or whether they were like a shared no, consciousness no he's he was cu- like an add-on he's his own thing but he needs assistance to get around because he's a cupcake obviously. <laughs> because he's a cupcake um the guy jumps and then when he, looks, <laughs> <laughs> when he looks back in the fridge, uh, Carl has gone um, and he turns around and we get Chica holding Carl the cupcake um, and they attack. The second guy sees this attack through the window and you kind of get flashes of it behind all the kitchen equipment. And he does the only sensible thing I think you could do. He doesn't go to help. There's a giant animatronic duck and an animatronic cupcake killing my friend. He runs for his life. It's the perfect thing he does. Yeah. Um, he goes <laughs> he goes and hides in a cupboard. While this is all happening, you've got the brother is in the control room and he's watching 
his very large burly friend runs screaming like a girl and he's like what's going on so he goes to investigate i love this the fact that we get bonnie so he's in this closet and bonnie's behind him and bonnie attacks and you see like the blood hand come down the window I, I just think this whole segment is great. The brother sees this as Bonnie steps into the hall. I have a question. How do they make such a mess out of every person in there, but don't have a drop of blood on their costumes? Magic. That's fair. <laughs> That's not fair. Don't let him get away with his bullshit. <laughs> I was like, it's that or I want to use the same laundry detergent, but they don't even have time to do laundry, so... <laughs> no, it's... You just imagine that it's a big animatronic puppet just spinning around in a washing machine. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's ghost magic. Um, Bonnie steps out okay. to the hall as the brother arrives. The brother runs for his life and goes, locks himself in the security room. This scene where he's watching Bonnie and Chica stood on the... You could see them stood on the camera. And you've got Carl the cupcake in their hand, and they turn away from the camera towards a vent, and then they turn back and like smile at him, and instantly he goes shit. So creepy. They put it in the vent. What did you think of like the where it's attacking and it's chomping? Did you think that looked good? Because I thought that looked great. It's so hard because the thing is, I know that this is all done practically, but it, elements of it look CGI rendered, and I know it's not, but it just looks that good that it's hard to not. Do you know, it's weird. They have like this weird shimmer to them where it looks CGI in places, but it's not. Yeah. I know it's not. But yeah, I thought it looked really good. I thought it looked great. Um, especially when like they emphasize it with the lightning and stuff, like the electric. Yeah. It looked yeah. it looked really, really cool. I mean, I can't praise the animatronics at all enough, sorry. They they look fantastic. They really, really do. They've done a fantastic job of of bringing all of those elements together. Probably more than this film deserves, I would say. Yeah, it's one of those. It's like this has got a ginormous fan base. It's like how much do you invest into something that's already a billion-dollar enterprise before it touches the movie screen? God, is that how much this franchise is worth? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Game franchise is ginormous. Um, He gets out of the office and tries to run, and we get the Foxy jump scare, uh, which is just cut straight from the game like you could put you could put a foxy jump scare in the game and this next to each other they're identical that that will be yeah that will be a real this week by the way folks (laughs) (laughs) the sister comes in to the pizzeria so the sister of the the babysitter turns up um because she's been sat outside in the car it's like why are they taking so long i'll go and have a look uh she sees a ghost boy and this is where you get an inkling that there's something paranormal going on here. Because up until this point, they've not mentioned it. Um, and she follows it. She follows it into a room where you see Freddy Fastbear stood up. And she can hear the boy. And she knows it's in Freddy Fastbear. When she gets close to it, a hand reaches out, pulls her in. And then the animatronic bites her clean in half. I was gobsmacked they showed this in a PG-13. While I was watching this the whole time, I'm like, you idiot, what are you doing? Why would you get that close to this bear? Who in their right mind would get this close to a bear with this ghostly voice that's coming from it? And Mark, I mean this in the most loving of ways, but I was like, you know who would? Mark. 
because he'd be like, well, where's this coming from? I have to know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would definitely be in two pieces right now. But yeah, I, I was surprised that they showed this because you see the split. I know it's a shadow, but you see the split and you see the blood spatter and then you see a half-severed torso on the floor in a PG-13. I was shocked that this got yeah, passed. Yeah, and, and I think, I don't know if it's one of the elements that let it down for me slightly is the fact that all of the kills are cut away. We don't see anything really throughout the entire movie. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know whether that works in its favour or not. I mean, obviously it works in its favour for the audience it's trying to bring in to see it. But for me personally as a viewer, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more I'm hoping we get an R-rated cut of this the same as we, or an unrated cut of this the same as we did with Megan. That's what that I'm would hoping. be cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. I would like that, and I think I would probably watch it again if they did make an R-rated cut of it, just to see those scenes and what they actually envisioned they were going to play out like. Yeah. Um, but I, I get, I get why they didn't in this movie. I understand. I'm not the target audience for this film. I don't think. Um, no, I, I think they've tried to reach the biggest audience possible because most people who played the game are probably in their 30s now and people who didn't play the game or are playing the game now are i don't know from 12 to 17 so they tried to capture their entire fan base and the only way to do that was to lower the age rate and i fully get it yeah and i mean don't get me wrong i say that like i, I, I didn't feel at any point that i was watching a pg-13 movie it doesn't feel turned down but they made the cuts in the right places in order to get it through certification. Um, it still feels very genuinely like a horror movie and plays out how, exactly how a horror movie would have done. You yeah. just don't have the blood and the gore and the kill scenes that you would normally come to expect. But it didn't compromise my experience with it. It's just something that I know I would have liked to have seen from this movie. Mike's sister finds the the custody papers in a drawer and she gets really, really upset. And then we get a strange visit from the weird cop again, who just randomly turns up at Mike's house. And Well, no, she doesn't randomly turn up. She comes to tell him that there's been a break-in. Yeah. But she also says to him, you left the door open and I found sleeping pills, so you have clearly been sleeping on the job. And if I file my report, you're going to get fired because this is your fault. She basically says something like, you're regardless of the situation, you are liable because you left the door open. But did yeah. he leave the door open? I no. don't think he did. No, and I'm going to ask you a question now, Tassie, because you've spent a long time working in law enforcement. If somewhere's broken into, does the policeman go to the security guard's house or do they go to the owner of the building? <laughs> Just correct me. <laughs> so their first call is going to be like, especially with local stuff, there's somebody who is designated as a key holder for that business. Um, and that's who they go to first and then they go from there. And I, this actually kind of had me like moaning and groaning about it too, because I was like, well, is this just her deciding that she likes him enough that she wants to give him the opportunity? Or is this like part of the usual scam? Like it just, and especially for her to go there by herself yeah. With nobody else around. Like, it just, it, it broke, like, every rule in the book. It's really odd. And the fact that these two go for a walk and leave a seven-year-old child at home on their own is just mind-boggling <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that uh, that would not happen either. No, and the fact that she, like, like, you need, she's talking about the pills and she throws his pills in the river. She's like, 
you need to tell me about your life. And Mike, without any hesitation, gives a full backstory that he says he's never told anyone before that his brother got abducted and he suffers with that and he uses dreams to get closer to it. I'm like, wow, that's a big... I mean, I know she's she's a good-looking woman, Mike, but fucking hell, you just dumped your whole life. It's like, I, I this this bit didn't work for me. No. I want to talk a little bit about the dream sequences themselves because they do require a massive leap in logic yeah. as, as an audience member. Um, I didn't mind it. I didn't begrudge it. And, I, and it, it worked within the plot of the movie. However, is this something that's pivotal to the games or is this something that's been added to this for the sake of the movie? Because like it just you have these ghosts who are now have the powers of Freddy Krueger and Mike is now in this dream world and can interact with them all at the same time as well. And for me, it just all became really convoluted really, really quickly. Yeah, um, it, it kind of exists, but not to this extent there's not there's not bits in the game where it cuts off into a dream sequence that doesn't happen well not in the games that i've played i've not played all of them um yeah. but that's not something i they are ghost children in the animatronics that whole plot and storyline is correct but they've added a lot to this to make it a cohesive movie and i think they needed to do that because without it it's a very basic premise with not a great amount of explanation until you get to like the third game yeah, and I, and I want to just say as well, like I didn't, I didn't begrudge you for doing that. I like, I kind of bought into the story, and it all kind of made sense and came together quite well. But as an afterthought, when you're thinking about it and piecing all of this stuff together, it is a massive, massive leap in logic to try and make this interconnect the way that this movie does. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, and it's very. There's very big elements of this that are very Nightmare on Elm Street. And I I appreciated those elements. Yeah, I did too. I thought they did a great job of executing <laughs> it. it. Just It's just when you actually think about it and try to dissect it properly, like, do ghosts do that? Can ghosts do that? And why are they doing that? <laughs> yeah, well, film's got a film. I'm going to say that a lot tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found that kind of jarring. Um, I I actually watched it three times this week, and wow. every time I watched it, like I kind of picked up on other things that I didn't notice as much the first time, or didn't necessarily bother me as much the first time. Um, and I probably didn't notice it as much the first time because I was caught up in the story. But yeah, with each consecutive watch, each time it just those dream sequences just pulled me out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. I get that. And I think the things as well with like the ghost side of stuff is like how they can make themselves appear as normal human children form and then put themselves back inside the animatronics and things like it works. Don't get me wrong. It does work. But as an afterthought, when you're trying to think about this movie, there is a lot of stuff here that you're like, but how? Yeah. And why? Yeah. Which is why we're getting a trilogy. Oh, cool! I, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm happy. Oh, Give it? me more. I want. Yeah. yeah, I want to follow. Please don't bring back Vanessa. But give me another one. <laughs> yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, this is one of three. Lillard signed a three three movie deal for this. But did he not die at the end? <laughs> uh, yeah, that again. If you've played the games, it, he's he's fine. Oh, okay. Kind of. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give spoilers for the second right. movie before they've even made it. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Night three, so Mike has to take his little sister to work because his babysitter he can't get hold of because she's dead. Yes. And 
I love this segment so much. They get to Willie's. He goes and sets her up in a little tent in his office. Gets to where? No, not to Willie's. I take it back. He gets to Freddy's. Um, that's that's an entirely different movie. <laughs> that's kind of because kind of because it's where I'm going. So he gets he gets to Freddy's. He gets her set up in a little tent, and he goes right. You stay here and go to sleep. I'm going to do some work. They have the biggest sideswipe at Willie's Wonderland when he goes and cleans up all the mess to '80s music. I laughed my fucking ass off at this. I was like, I'm so pleased you took the effort to have a dig at the movie that wasn't as good as yours. Ooh, I mean, that's debatable. No. Oh. I, 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 we, this... we might not agree on that one, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved it. I loved the fact that they took the... T- they didn't need this cleaning scene in here at all. And it's the fact that you see him go and get all the supplies it's literally it's the opening segments of Willie's Wonderland recreated in Freddy's restaurant, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, was, he just I, needed a T-shirt. Yeah, he, if he had put on a Freddy's T-shirt, I would have died. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> it's been a while since I've watched Willie's Wonderland. I, I can't really compare. I know you're saying this is better, and I can't. As much as I want to disagree with you, I can't really because I haven't seen that film in so long. I'm going to go back and watch it this week, though. Let us know. Let us know. Hopefully, I will. I will. I will. Hopefully, you were with me. Uh, Mike goes to sleep, and again, I'm now in full. I'm in full movie heaven when his sister tries to wake him up, and he doesn't wake up. And she goes, "I'll be right back." I was like, "You fucking said it. You said it." They do a lot of that in this film. They do a huge <laughs> amount of that. And like when she said, so my, it, my, I was... "My best one is at the end," and I'll wait till we get there because I'm sure you're just going to gush about it for at least forty-five minutes. Yeah, I've got a lot of gu- from here on out. Everyone, there's a lot of gushing from me. Fangirl. <laughs> um, <laughs> the sister goes wandering, and we get a fourth dream. Um, this time, it's a single boy who talks to Mike, and he goes, "If we show you where your brother is, and we give you the memories to." remember who took your brother what will you give us and mike sort of ums and ahs he's like i'll give you anything and then he hears screaming which wakes him up he runs into the main sort of pizza area and all of the animatronics are surrounding his sister and i went oh they've gone really dark (laughs) really really dark um i didn't expect this playtime is incredible and I'm pretty sure every fan of the game had no clue this was coming because this is not a game thing at all. No, I didn't think it would be actually when I was watching this. Uh, and, uh, no, I, it caught me off guard. Uh, and I love it because, like, she introduces them all. She's like, "This is Chica, Bonnie, Foxy, and Freddy, guys. This is Mike." And Mike is genuinely like, "What the fuck is going on?" His reaction is like. Yeah, we need to go like now. And she's like, "Oh, before I go," and she quickly like draws a heart and she puts it in Bonnie's hand. And then it they was have so cute. It was really cute. And then Freddie gives her a hug, and then they leave. And all the time, Mike's got this real like protective. There are giant animatronics that are now alive and seem to be really friendly with my sister. I don't like this. And I really like that. It's a callback again to he's had a brother kidnapped. He's so overprotective. And it works. 
And it was nice to see him kind of step into that role with Abby because so much of the emphasis has been on him trying to, you know, figure out what happened to his brother and everything. And of course they talk about it later, but it's like he kind of neglects, I guess, what he's got right in front of him because he's so worried about what he had. Yeah, it's exactly that. And this is where I think the movie really plays well on the relationship between the two. So when they get home, Mike's looking at Abby's pictures and he's realising that the children she's drawing in her pictures are the children from his dream. And he uh, he flat out sits Abby down and goes, um, yeah, so what's the deal with like the kids in your pictures and like the animatronics? And she just answers, answers him. She's like, yeah, they're... Um, they're, they're they're animatronics and they're haunted by the spirits of the ghosts I see. He's like, oh, so it's you, you talk to ghosts then? She's like, yeah, well, what did you think I talked to? Do you think I'm mad? <laughs> um, we also get the first mention of the He's yellow the rabbit. He's the one that's dumb. Yeah, 100%. And, and we get the um, first mention of the yellow rabbit here as well. Um, where she's like the yellow rabbit is is one I can't remember exactly what she said I've only seen this a couple of times but she mentions the yellow rabbit it, it gets brought up in conversation night four Vanessa is already there when they arrive we get more playtime this time to connection by Elastica and again I love this yeah all the music was great for this movie yeah I loved it so much yeah, whoever the um, the music director was on this, they really hit it home and they build forts and they, they just have this really great, fun, happy time. Um, Vanessa goes to get some tablecloths and this is where we get introduced to Springlock traps, which if you play the game, you're familiar with these. Um, if you don't play the game, this is a really good way to introduce them. So there's a, a half-open animatronic bear and Mike goes to touch it and Vanessa's like, do not touch that. Because those things there, they're, they're spring locks. They're designed to protect the animatronics. But some of the earlier models, they're a little bit faulty and they snap quite quickly. So don't don't touch it. And this is where Mike's really quizzing. And I'm like, how do you know so much about this place? This is more than you just come in here as a kid. What's going on? And she just like, turns around and goes, drop it, Mike. <laughs> and he does. Yeah. yeah. Abby gets electrocuted, which... I don't think needed to happen. I, I kind of went, why? What was the point in that? Yeah, I mean, they hinted it earlier, don't they? Like they, they? When he's playing the guitar, you see like the electrical shortage coming from it. So you kind of hinted at it earlier on that that was going to happen. But what my biggest gripe with this scene is, is that Vanessa's character makes a weird change all of a sudden. Like she's been real supportive of this girl playing with these animatronics and hanging out with these dolls and stuff. And then as soon as this happens, she just like flips and loses her mind. And it's like, you you ever bring her back here again and I will shoot you and all this. Stuff. I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Why is this now all of a sudden a thing? I was kind of wondering, like, because this whole time I'm trying to figure out how these kids kind of switch back and forth between like this good and evil, so to speak. So I wasn't sure if somehow like electrical currents like that or voltages like that would somehow like trigger it so I thought she was going to touch it and all hell was going to break loose because this was going to be what switched them out of you know friendly build a fort mode into you know rip your face off mode yeah and it's 
it, I just found it a bit odd. And like what comes next, I found odd as well. So they go home. Mike, she's OK. Abby's OK. Uh, Mike calls his aunt to babysit Abby because he wants to go back because he wants to go and dream again. And he wants to go and find out what this kid knows. Abby hates him for this and kind of rightfully so. The aunt, yeah. that aunt should not be looking after children ever anywhere. No. Yeah. Out of all the people you could ring to come and babysit, you would not ring her. <laughs> I, 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 honest to yeah. God, I, I would have called a serial killer before I killed that woman. Called that woman. She's awful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe I, not a serial I understand. killer to look after my child, but <laughs> no. But any, anyone else? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't invite like Bundy around to just and watch my like, daughter he... while I popped out to work. <laughs> and they, you know, they show that he obviously doesn't have much of a social life. But, you know, they show him, like, spending time with, um, you know, his co-worker before he gets fired from the mall and stuff like that. So, you know, there's there has to be somebody yeah. he can call other than this wretched, god-awful woman. Yeah, and this is where the movie takes a real step up in pace now. It's been quite sort of beat, 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 beat. And from this point on, they just put their foot I on the gas... Don't and they don't take it off. So you get the... Mike goes to get some sleeping pills from the pharmacy. He's incredibly rude to the pharmacist, but it made me laugh. Um, yeah. then, <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he has his fifth dream sequence, and this is where the kids say that what they want him to give them for the memories is they want Abby, and he agrees, and they all disappear from the dream, and then he changes his mind and they're all back in full force, and they brutally attack him in his dream. And in the real world, a little bit like Nightmare on Elm Street, he's receiving all of these wounds from this vicious attack he's getting, and then he gets put in the bear face trap, saw trap machine. Um, I love the fact that when this happens at the beginning, you see the guy fumbling with like a loose bolt on the lock. Yeah. And then when it comes to Mike's turn, he successfully gets that out and he escapes the trap and gets outside. I really like the fact that they set it up earlier and it wasn't just a, he managed to do it all on his own. I like the fact that they preempted there's a way out of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good setup. They do do a good setup. And I like the, you mentioned about the dream sequence and stuff. Like it's a very conflicting moment for him because they have his mother, his father, and his lost little brother interacting with him, which is something they haven't done in the dream sequences before. He's always just been a sort of like an, a bystander of the events unfolding. But this one time he can interact with them. He can have a conversation with his mum and he has a conversation with his brother. And they use that emotional suffering that he's going through in order to make him give up Abby, even though he doesn't want to, obviously he just in the moment can see what he could have. Yeah. And I've, and and I think like that's it's it's such an important part of this film in in the writing side of things. Like it's so cleverly put together that everything that you get up until this point serves a purpose. Yeah. And and like even when you mentioned before about how like he gets attacked and all his dreams and he comes out and he's suffering these real wounds, like pretty much like what happens in the Matrix, if you will, yeah. for context. Um I like the way that they introduce that earlier on. So like when you first he first gets that cut on his arm, which Vanessa patches up, he gets that from one of the dream sequences. So when it happens here and he gets savagely attacked, 
it doesn't feel so out of place because you know that this is something that's well established within the law of this story. It happens if you get if you die in the Matrix, you die in the real world. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. it kind of all comes together <laughs> quite well. Um, this is where we got the second Freddy Fazbear. So Freddy Fazbear goes to Abby's house to collect Abby. Did you notice he's missing an eye and his ear was broken and he was in a really bad state? It's an old defunct version of Freddy. So there's another ghost in this old defunct costume that went and got mm. Abby and left the floor. Oh, love this. Love this. Absolutely brilliant. The first thing I thought when I saw him was like, how the fuck did he get to that house? He took an Uber. <laughs> Immediately thereafter, you see him climbing into the back of this Uber. And I was like, fucking brilliant. <laughs> and the, thi- and oh. the thing is... And his reaction when he when he turns the rear view mirror, like the fact that he didn't actually turn around and look... I felt like made it that much more effective just seeing it in the mirror when he loses his shit. Yeah, man, it was just brilliant. I was like, oh, this is a full-on Michael Myers moment. It's like, Michael Myers can't drive. And then all of a sudden you just see him getting in the back of this car. And I was like, that is brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. He kills the aunt. And as they're leaving, Abby's like, what happened to my aunt? And he's sort of like ushering out the door going, it's fine. Oh, let's just let's just go. Yeah. Um, the, the, ca- the cabbie, when like, they both get in, the cabbie's like, why do I always get the weirdos? And he, he, at no point does he refuse the fare. He still t- no. he still drives them, but he's like, I always get the weirdos. It's it's great. Um, yeah, and again, like I mentioned earlier about the kid actor, like in this moment where she's in the car and she has that little chuckle and a cuddle with the Freddy, the Freddy bear. I'm like, that's cool, man. She's like quite good in this sort of, she works well in the comedic elements of her performance, I think. Mike has been, been found outside by um, Vanessa. He's been patched up and she gives us full backstory of someone took kids and killed them and hid their bodies in the animatronic suits, which is why the police never found them. And he's like, how do you know all this? She's like, well, the man was called William Afton and he's my dad. She's like, also, he killed your brother and he's probably coming now because you fucked with the bears and caused chaos. And then she like gives him some tasers and goes, by the way, I'm not coming, but electrical impulses will short the suits out long enough for you to do what you need to do have a nice have a nice life this bitch man fucking hell right like he's like so warming to her like oh thank you for all your help but like fuck you she's aiding and abetting in this dude kidnapping children and protecting him and protecting this place like fuck that taser her yeah give her the jab with a cattle prod it's like come with me come with me you can help like fuck that! You do not want that shifty bitch on your side. Um, <laughs> he gets back to Freddy's and he goes in through a secret entrance that she's told him about. There's a loose panel around the back. I love it where he's hiding by the stage and you've got Bonnie <sighs> and Freddy are kind of dancing. And there's a bit where he makes noise and Freddy goes from like full on dancing to just the head snaps round and looks where he is. I was like, oh, they're big. You don't want to fuck with them. No, no. I've had nightmares where I'm like trying to go undetected, and part of that is like having to like stay still, Jurassic Park T Rex style. And that was all <laughs> I could think about watching this scene was just seeing how their focus just swivels that fast. I'm like, oh god, don't move, don't move, don't move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, as well though, these are very intimidating things. At the end of the day, these are T one thousands in a cuddly bear costume. Yeah. Do not underestimate these fuckers. No. Um, he tips a bucket of water on the stage and then just like shoots it with a taser and takes out Bonnie and Freddie, 
which I thought was re- really well handled. Um, <laughs> he saves Abby from Chica because Chica has picked Abby up and is walking her to the, the saw bathroom. trap, the saw trap room where she's going to put her in uh, a doll animatronic. Um, and he, he saves her. Um, he's attacked by Carl. I love the attack by Carl. Like he's taken out like the three biggest animatronics and the cupcake is fucking him up in the hallway. Really cool. But again, like this is the thing, like it's so hard to distinguish between practical and CGI here. I couldn't, it looks CGI, but I know it's not. Mm. It's weird. It's really yeah. weird. And I'm adamant that CGI was used. It genuinely wasn't. Mm. I'll get to it. I know it's not. That's what's so fucking annoying about it because it looks like it's CGI. I don't know whether it's just a glossy effect of the the design of the of the product. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it just looks like it has that sort of weird glossy game level yeah. aesthetic they... to it, but it's not. I know it's not. It's so fucking annoying. <laughs> uh, he takes Carl the Cupcake out with a cattle prod to the face. Uh, we get a couple of scenes where Abby is hiding from Foxy. This is really like nerve wracking where he's rocking around and she's hiding in all the, in the ball pit. I really, I, I was on the edge of my seat going, fuck, is he going to find her? Is this going to be he finds her and Mike needs to say, I was really invested at this point. It's like that scene on Christmas, bloody Christmas at the end where they're doing like, where like the robot Santa comes in and she's hiding behind all the desks and stuff. It reminded me a lot of that in this scene. I love Willy's Wonderland. Like that is one of my comfort movies. And all I could think about was the scene where the boy that has a crush on the main character where he's hiding from the chameleon one yeah, and she talks him into coming out. That was what popped into my head for this one. Yeah. It's, it's uh, re- I need to watch Willie's Wonderland again. It's really good. Um, we now get the yellow rabbit arrives. The yellow rabbit is awesome. And he does the scream knife wipe. I knew that's what you was going to say. <laughs> I knew, I was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, fuck's sake. I can't believe it's just done that. That's going to be Scott's thing for the next 12 months now. Like, the second he done it, I was like, yes. Yeah, yes. here comes the reveals of how Freddy's Wonderland is. Freddy, Freddy's Wonderland? Freddy's <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's is now part of the Scream universe. And fucking <laughs> Stu Marker is a fucking yellow rabbit. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Uh, come <laughs> Coming to a tic- coming to a TikTok near you soon. Uh, <laughs> um, they should have taken him out with the TV. Yeah. Oh, that would have been perfect. Why did they not do that? Um, <laughs> Vanessa takes out Foxy because the yellow rabbit kicks the shit out of Mike and knocks him out. Um, and Vanessa faces off against the yellow rabbit and pulls a gun on him. And this is where he takes the head off and it's Matthew Lillard. He's like, no, I'm your dad. Stop being silly. Put the gun down. Your job was to make sure no one got too close and they just guarded the place. That's all you had to do and you fucked it up. I was shocked that he stabbed her. Yeah, I like this scene between the two of them as well because it's a callback to the earlier thing where he's interviewing Mike and Mike's like, oh yeah, and he says to him, oh, you've got one job. It's this and this. And Mike's like, that's two jobs. Yeah, and then that's... he has the same interaction with Vanessa <laughs> later on. It's like, you had one job. It was this and this. And she's like, that's two jobs. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. And, that's, subtle, when, but cool. and that's, that's when he stabs her. Yeah, and he stabs her with, like, the biggest kitchen knife I've ever seen in my life. Like, this looks like it would put Michael Myers' knife to shame in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Um, it's huge. 
absolutely yeah. huge, almost like Excalibur level fucking kitchen knife. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, there's a comment that he makes to her, and he's like, "This is your mess that I'm cleaning up." But then it never explains how it's her mess. Like, how is this her fault? Like, what's it, happened? I don't understand. She, she let Mike find out too much. Right, okay. I didn't know whether it was going to do, like, a grand reveal where it was almost like he does what he does now because of something Vanessa did as a kid and he's just trapped no. in his cycle trying to clean it all up. No, it's just, just purely the fact mm-hmm. that she let him get too deep and now he's got to come and clean it all up. Right, okay, okay. Do you know, I'll wait on what I've got to say. I'll wait because it's something that I have a question about and something that didn't make an awful lot of sense to me. But I'll I'll let you muddle through what we need to get through and then I'll bring it up if it's not covered. <laughs> OK. Um, Abby draws a picture because young children communicate in pictures and so do the young children in the ghost costumes. And she draws a picture of basically the yellow rabbit being horrible and he caused all of their pain and killed them all and she pins it on the wall. The animatronics turn on the yellow rabbit, and they send Carl the cupcake, goes shooting and hits his chest, and triggers the spring lock trap, which basically... Yeah, like pulls out like a big section of his suit, which unleashes yeah. like his stomach, basically, and the... Yeah, and the spring locks lock into his chest, and all these bits stab into him. Yeah. Um, and this is where he drops to the floor... He picks up the head, he holds it above his head, and he goes, I always come back, and then puts it down on his head. And again, this is a line. You must have loved it when he said that. Ah, I I genuinely (laughs) did. Um, He gets dragged away by the animatronics. They drag him into deeper into the restaurant, and everyone else leaves. Uh, We jump two weeks later. Um, Abby's doing great at school and the teacher's like I can't believe the change in her, she's talking to people and she's drawing and it's wonderful you've done such a good job and we Vanessa, we visit Vanessa in hospital which it just it's only there to show she's still alive um, I like it when Abby goes do you think we could go and visit the guys at the pizzeria and instantly he wants to say no and he kind of does the dad thing that we all do and goes well you never know what might happen, which sets up our sequel perfectly. Um, yeah. we, we get a mid credit scene where you see Matthew Lillard or William Afton still alive in the kitchen, gasping for air two weeks later with the spring locks in his chest. Um, we get a post-credit scene where the cabbie uh, goes to pick pick someone up and he turns around and he's got Balloon Boy next to him. Brilliant. Uh, again, I didn't get it because I don't know. But no, the Balloon Boy the conversation. Um, at the very, very, very end of the credits, at the very, very end. I stayed and I watched and I listened and I couldn't understand because it was very muffled. It said, I, I heard it say game over. No, it doesn't. It spells out come find me. I thought it said game over. No, it spells out come find me. Right. OK. And the uh, purpose of that is to lead us into the second game or the second movie in this case. Right. That that robotic voice that you hear at the end is prevalent throughout the games. And again, that's just a, a little nod to to fans. That's all that was there for. Um, right, so we didn't cover what I actually wanted to bring up earlier, so I'm just going to bring it up now. The brother who got killed. Right, so what is the context of this guy? Is he a stereo killer? Is he somebody who just... He's a, ch- he's a child killer. Right, he's a child killer. Right, okay. 
Has he got a limited number of animatronics? What happened to his brother? Why was he not put into one of them? Thank Why you. was he not a ghost? I don't know, is the honest answer. I was expecting his brother to be one of the ghosts and he wasn't, which I was a little bit disappointed by. But do you think maybe that might be a sequel thing? Possibly. Possibly. Right. But I, th- I think this still works, even with some of the plot holes that are there, which there's quite a few. This still works as a self-contained movie. If they didn't make another one, this still stands on its own two feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives enough exposition throughout. I mean, you see quite a lot of the damaged and broken animatronics from the past in like the certain storerooms and cupboards and stuff. So you could have quite easily been in one of those that got damaged and broken and that isn't still working like the rest of them are. However, it was just something that I felt was such a pivotal point of the story. I was expecting some kind of reveal at the end where he turns out to be fucking Ducky or something like that. Yeah. No, One thing true. I want to say as well, actually, was like that, that when you do see the dream sequences with the kids, they're kind of color coded in the outfits they're wearing to match the suits of the animatronics. So you could quite easily pinpoint like the girl with pigtails was dressed all in yellow. She was obviously Chica. Du- Chica um, and stuff like that so you could work out and then like one of them had like brown bottoms and like a blue top so he was obviously like the cupcake one and I was like oh that's quite cool yeah and one of them was in all brown so he was obviously Freddy and <clears throat> it was just subtle things like that that you pick up I don't know why I'm giving it the more credit that it deserves but stuff like that was quite entertaining for me yeah they they put a lot of effort into little things in this movie and you and me have said it a hundred times it's the little things that make a big difference. Of course it is, because they're the things that you piece together as long as you're going, which makes your in, your enjoyment of things more enjoyable, obviously. Like you you like as soon as I saw that first dream sequence and they was all stood in a line, all those kids, and I was like, Oh, you're colour coding matching the animatronics. This was mm-hmm. even before we got the reveal that they were inside the animatronics. I was like, Oh, well that's obviously where this is gonna go. One thing I'll save it for my roundup, but that's kind of one of the things about the story of this film is that it was all very predictable. Yeah, You could kind of piece together very early on how this was all going to play out, barring a few various deviations. Yeah. Well, before we dive into what we all think and play our game and do all the other bits, let's find out what everyone else thought. Zoinks! Three-word reviews, man! I had to use that one this week. (laughs) have we got any this week (laughs) Uh, we got a lot this week uh so over on threads uh real blaster 1360 worth the wait and they're a horror account uh paddington the ps5 gamer uh best 2023 movie and they're a gaming account uh over on tiktok uh cecil and ali who's ali uh, part of the ghoul kids table podcast and cecil candy corn who is a candy corn that's the only is candy corn puppet is awesome uh charming <laughs> cute fun uh nova vr uh scary amazing fun and they're a gaming account we've got loads of gaming accounts this week which is great uh the angry vegan um actually pretty good and they're a twitch streamer uh over on instagram we got cray cray kj uh, who hasn't given us a three-word review for a while, so thank you very much. I'm glad you're back. Uh, absolutely fucking perfect, and they're a horror and true crime account. Uh, Wolf Dad, Matthew freaking Lillard. Yes, I agree. And they're a horror fan. <laughs> um, Chainsaw Chicken Barbecue. Serious law implications, which there are, which leads us nicely into facts after Mark's done his recommended account of the week, and he's not prepared, so I will get him some music while he gets prepared. Recommended. He's never done this before. 
No, he's not done this before. It's like the first time every week. I, I, you know how prepared I am every time I come on the show. L- literally every week I say it's recommended account. Mark looks surprised. He's like, oh, is it? <laughs> You'd think I would know the routine by now, wouldn't you? So this week's recommended account is Couch Hard. You can find them on Instagram as Couch Hard, all one word. And they are an artist slash, I don't know, they make things. Um, Let me give you more context on why they make things and why that would just be a really weird selling point. Um, What they do is they make slip covers for DVDs. So for all of you DVD collectors out there who have a very nostalgic touch, they make slip covers that go over the top of your DVDs, but these slip covers are based on the VHS releases. So one of the lines that they're currently promoting and working on at the moment is the Halloween movies. So if you own all the Halloween movies on an original DVD release, but you want the aesthetic of the VHSs, they make slip covers that go over the top of your DVDs. Like you know when you buy DVDs and some of them come yeah, yeah. with like paper slip covers, like cardboard slip covers. Yeah. They make them, but they do them in a old school classic VHS. That's cool. Aesthetic. So when you've got all your DVDs lined up on a shelf, they look like VHS tips, if you will, with the original classic logos and artwork and all the back of the blurb and stuff. And they're they're really cautious about making sure it's as authentic as possible. These aren't just, I I don't want to undercut them and say that it's not their design and stuff, but what they do is they get the original VHS box art and then they transfer that onto a slip cover for the DVDs. Um, They've just done all the Friday the 13th ones, which look fucking incredible. Really, really cool. Um, So if you are a DVD collector, but you still have that certain element of nostalgia for VHS tapes, but know that it's a very dated format and doesn't translate very well, as I found out myself, um, you can buy these to go over your DVDs and it looks really cool. And he's very, very talented. And I think that, he deserves some sort of recognition and some pushing and something that we would like to try and do for you. So if you are into this kind of thing and you are a DVD collector and would like to add something unique and special to your collection of DVDs, this is a place to go to. And that is couch hard on Instagram. And as always, once you go there, comment on their post, drop them a DM, let them know that the Europe podcast sent you. Yeah. That, that's great as well. Cause like all the DVDs that were released after the VHS, they all changed the cover. They all had unique yeah. DVD covers, so that that's really really cool. But even uh, that though, like the original line of DVDs were just fucking shite and cheap. I remember the Friday the Thirteenth ones when they came out. <laughs> it just said like Friday the Thirteenth, and the whole thing was just red, and it yeah. was crap. But like he's done like the original artwork and stuff to go over it, and it looks really really cool. So I think yeah, go and show this guy some support, and as always, just let him know that we sent you that. Yeah, um, let's do some facts. There's been lots of discussion on law altering chainsaw chicken barbecue brought it up but there were lots of comments about the altering of the law and yes they have changed the law to an extent five nights at freddy's has been built over a decade and to be honest it's not the most coherent law anyway and it's got swathes of that law that's been built up by the fan base that's then been accepted by the game creators into their next game so this is a case of they release a game and the fans go we think this happened in unison and the game creators went that's a great idea we didn't have that but we'll work that in and that- that's great though they should do that that's what people should do with horror movies yeah like, hundred- don't listen to the fans the no. fans know because we're the ones who watch it and that's what we want to see happen 
I, I agree completely. And like, for example, like spring traps weren't a thing until the third game. Um, at no point did the animatronic show any sign of helping you ever um, until Security Breach, which is the latest game. And even in that, their limit of help is Freddy kind of points you in the direction you need to go. There's no there's no building of thoughts and like having fun dance times in these games. That's not something that happened. Um, but it works better by altering the law for a movie because the game law is very basic. If they'd have stuck with the game law, all we would have got is Willy's Wonderland again. And we don't want to watch Willy's Wonderland again. That movie exists and we've got it. Let's do something different. And they've done that. And I kind of appreciate that they did do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, like I say, I don't know the games. I have no reference point to the games, but I think that the inclusion of this otherworldly law that they add to it and, and expansion of the characters and the involvement and how it all comes together, I think, I don't think it would have worked if we'd have just had a straight point A to point B slasher involving these animatronics. We, Like you say, we've had it already. We don't need to see it again. And if you want to sustain a franchise from this movie, you kind of need to incorporate that level of exposition and, and world building in order to achieve it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, unlike most studios who lean heavily into CGI, there is no CGI in this movie. Instead, they leaned heavily on Jim Henson's Creature Shop. And my God, the creation of these animatronics is brilliant. They walk, they move, they do facial expressions. Um, they used people in a costume, but only for rare moments when someone needed to run or the puppet couldn't do necessarily what they needed to do. But for 90% of this movie, everything you're seeing is animatronic puppets controlled by seven or eight, or in some instances, like with Foxy, there are 12 puppeteers to animate that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And that's one element of this film that I really appreciated. You, the only person obviously was with the bunny with Matthew Lillard's, but yeah. I think including him in the suit at the end made you appreciate the rest of it even more because you can tell the contrast. You can clearly tell that that is a man in a bunny suit. Yeah. In those moments, whereas everything else around it up until that point, you're questioning, Oh, is that someone in a suit? But then as soon as you see that closing act and you see the yellow bunny, you're like, no, because that's what it looks like when you've got a man in a suit. Yeah, exactly that. And they've done a good job of that. Um, a YouTuber named Mark Fishback, who Mark Fishback. basically became, he was the guy who, the YouTuber who took five nights at Freddy's from a, a simple mobile game and he took it to his audience and started streaming it. And yeah. it is, he is almost solely responsible for the success of that game. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big gamer and nor any context to this game, but I am very much a YouTuber yeah. <laughs> in terms of not actually on YouTube, but I watch a lot of YouTube. So I'm very familiar with who this guy is. He's like the driving force behind the success of this game. Yeah. And he was offered the role of the security guard but he couldn't do it because they had a scheduling conflict. So he was very nearly the the security guard, which I thought would have been nice, or at least a cameo for him would have been nice. But they did reach out and go, look, do you want to come be the security guard? You you made us famous. Are you interested? Because yeah. um, there was a lot of speculation on YouTube regarding his involvement in it, because he didn't say anything and he didn't come out and distinctly say, I'm not in it or I am in it. 
Um, so everyone was always like, oh, he's going to be in it. He's going to have a cameo at some point. I mean, he's not an actor, so he's not going to get a main role or anything in it. Well, he was um, offered the security guard's role. He was offered the main part. No, are you sure it's not just a security guard at the beginning? No, no, he was offered the main role. Uh, oh, I don't know if that would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. The twist in this with uh, William Afton being revealed as... The, so everyone in the games there, William Afton is the baddie. We all know he's in the bunny suit. Um, it was released by mistake, so that was meant to be kept massively under wraps. Um, when they put the cast on Google, someone who who works at Google put the cast on. They put Matthew Lillard down as William Afton instead of his actual character name. So they oh, no. they leaked it, and the studio went ballistic. It was changed really quick. But the second you put that on, that whole world is aware. Yeah, I mean, not to be rude to the guys who were trying to panic and take it down. It was fairly fucking obvious from the beginning of this film uh, it, <laughs> how it, it was going to play out. It, it was. Um, the line, I always come back, um, is from the games. It was in uh, Freddy Six, Five Nights at Freddy Six, um, about the 11th time that William Afton has died in the series. He, he As he dies, he goes, I always come back. It's not delivered. It's not delivered how Matthew Lillard delivers it in the game. It's very much like it's almost like why have you bothered? I always come back. It's kind of that kind of line, yeah. nonchalant kind of word. Yeah. Um, when they initially announced this, the director said that they have written three, and providing this is successful, there will be a sequel. And they signed Matthew Lillard to a three movie deal but it was not exclusive to Five Nights at Freddy's. So Blumhouse signed him to a three-movie deal. And the deal was, look, if this is really successful, you'll be in the two sequels. If this flops, we'll give you two other movies to be in. This cost them $20 million to make. Um, any idea how much it took in its opening weekend? $80 million. Mm, I'd guess, I'll guess 65 a little more conservative. Mark's closer. It took $78 million. But that makes it the most successful release of a horror movie in October ever. Bear in mind, this went to stream in the same day. That's the most successful opening weekend of any horror movie ever in history released in October. It's the third largest grossing opening weekend of any horror movie ever behind It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. How much do we... Yeah, wow. And that's it's a video game movie that was available on streaming the same day. That's amazing. That's yeah. really, really impressive. That is amazing. Um, how much do you reckon it's taken up until today, worldwide box office? Uh, what are we like a week after release now? Obviously, we're yeah. recording this pre earlier. Um, 130, 140. I'll go, I'll go 150. It's taken $159 million. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. The, so we'll definitely get a sequel then. We $20 million <laughs> to 160. It's still in theatres, and that doesn't include whatever Peacock paid them to stream this as well. Yeah. This movie is a ginormous success. It's a record-breaking horror movie, which... I don't think you could say that about any other video game horror movie adaptation. There's never yeah. been one that hit the market and everyone went, shit. Yeah, no. My first thought is always like Silent Hill. 
And those definitely aren't as wide of a market in terms of who they were targeting. So, yeah. And I think that's the thing with this. I mean, to put it in comparison, after a week of being out, the exorcist had taken $87 million. A couple of, couple of weeks later, you get a video game adaptation that's taken almost 160. It's a big, big difference. Yeah. Well, David Gordon Green didn't do, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. So. Talking, oh, can you imagine the outcome if that guy had been involved? Oh, just, just, just no, just no, 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 no more Gordon Green. Stop no. Gordon Green. That that sh- that should be a thing. Hashtag yeah. stop Gordon Green. I'm pretty sure it already is. <laughs> you think that's a thing already? Oh, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Um, do you know what we haven't played for a while? Evil Audio. So this is the time where we do evil audio. So we're going to play 15 movie clips. And all you need to do, Tasha, is tell us what movie that clip is from. Um, There's 10 points per clip. Top of the leaderboard is Jim from Jim's Retro Emporium with 140 points. And second is Lady Crisis with 130. Um, So that's that's where you're aiming for. So um, Mark obviously doesn't hasn't heard these clips. He doesn't know what they are. Um, Mark will lend assistance where he can without breaking the rules and telling you the answer completely. Um, are you ready for your first clip? What do you think? Oh, that's five nights of Freddy's. <laughs> That is Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's um, that's Foxy. Uh, your, sec- your second clip. Who the fuck is Martha Stewart? Yes. Do you want to hear it again? That sounds like Chucky. <laughs> it is, but which movie? Do you want to hear it again? Oh, which movie? <laughs> yeah. There's only 18 of them. Martha Stewart. Right. <clears throat> I know it's not the first three. Is Martha Stewart? Sounds like Bride of Chucky. I would. I, yeah, I would have said Bride. Yes. Correct. You're two out of two. You're doing really well. Uh, number three. <laughs> because they pop. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. Do you want to hear it again? Yeah, play that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they pop. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. Yeah, I know it. Oh, God. You'll kick yourself. Uh, it's got one of your favourite actors in it. <laughs> because they pop. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. What T-shirt are you wearing, Tasha? It's it. It <laughs> is. Which one? Chapter one or chapter two? Um, I'm going to go chapter two. 
Oh, it was no. chapter one. <laughs> uh, that's all right. You're still doing well. You're on 20 points. Uh, here's your number four. <laughs> Surely to God, you know that. Hang on. Let me turn my volume back up a little bit and like turn my mic away. Right. Here you go. You ready? How do you not know what the time warp is from? I didn't get anything playing that time. Uh, let me try again. Are you not getting any audio? I mean, the time warp is from Rocky Horror, but... That's oh. correct. Well done. But, uh, yeah, I didn't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't get any audio that time. How bizarre. Uh, let's hope you get the audio for this one, otherwise this game's a bust. Here we go. Just tell me one thing, Brooke. You're going out there to destroy them. Right, not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. He's a lion sized ship. That's alien. It is correct. Uh, Number six, you're doing well. So you've got what have you got? One, two, you got four out of five. So you're doing well. Number six. I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off. Whatever it is. Sounds like my co-workers first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to hear it again? <laughs> yes, please. Journey, stop. I don't know what the hell's in there. But it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. That sounds like Dennis Quaid. Mm. Uh, it's weird and pissed off. Uh, I know I'm going to kick myself for that one later, I'm sure. but That was from The Thing. I knew it was from The Thing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, number seven. It's you been still... ages. You're still doing good. Number seven. That the power of Christ compels you! Oh, that's The Exorcist. It is The Exorcist. <laughs> Let's try the next one. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's not Young Frankenstein, is it? It's not Young Frankenstein, no. Just Frankenstein? <laughs> that's correct. Well done. You're on 60 <laughs> points. Uh, this is num- n- Number nine. Oh, that's The Shining. I got that one. That is The Shining. And ever. And ever. Can I go on a bit? Yeah, that's correct. You're on seven. You're, <laughs> you're on seventy points. Uh, number ten. Yeah, like two seconds of it. How long was it? Uh, about five seconds. <laughs> I'll play it again. Oh, it sounds familiar. Sequel. Part two. Part two of a sequel. <laughs> Part two of a sequel. It's not well, it, chapter two, is it? No. <laughs> no, it was oh, uh, that, I can't imagine Pennywise saying groovy. <laughs> it was um, it, it was the evil dead. <laughs> was it evil dead two? It was evil dead two. Uh was it was it. number eleven. Look at me, Damien. Ah, oh, amazing scene. The Omen. It is The Omen. You're on 80 points. You, you're flying through them. Uh, you've got four left to go, so this is number 12. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Night of the Living Dead. Yay. It is. Yay, flying. Now, 90 points. Uh, right, number 13. I see dead people. The Sixth Sense. It is. 100 points. 
number 14. Two to go. So number 14. The census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice kien. <laughs> that is, you're on 110 points. If you get this one right, you'll be in third place. So this Ram. is the last one. This is number 15. How could you just discard me like some cheap dollar store trinket? Ooh. Do you want to hear it again? Yeah. How could you just discard me like some cheap dollar store trinket? That's hard. Uh, How could you just discard me like some cheap dollar store trinket? I that sounds familiar, but I I'm not coming up with anything. That one was from Megan. Oh. How would I have Oh, I guess it didn't sound familiar. I haven't seen Megan yet, so <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've done really well. You're on 110 points, which definitely puts you in the top five. So that's a solid performance. Well done. Well done, mate. So, um, Tasha, I'm going to let you take round up on this first. Give us your thoughts and your your score for it. So, I am a huge Willis Wonderland fan. Like I said. Um, and I I have quite a few friends who are like, you know, I'm definitely going to go see FNAF, but you know, it's here's hoping that they can at least do a somewhat decent job as opposed to the movie that they should have done years ago. Um, and it was definitely fun. It wasn't like Willy's Wonderland level of fun for me, but I also thought there were more scares in it. Like they leaned a little more heavily into some of the scare side as opposed to obviously Willy's Wonderland is just like a fun slasher, get it all done. Um, I I definitely enjoyed most of the characters and the development, but like Mark said earlier, Vanessa, I mean, the the writing everywhere else is so good. It's hard to imagine that they just didn't write her character well. Um, I mean, obviously that's a possibility, but I don't I don't know if I ever told you this or not, but I was actually in the running to be a police officer and I have taken a polygraph that's part of the process to get hired on. And with the questions that they ask, she would not have ever been a police officer because they ask if you ever have known anyone that participates in criminal activity. And a serial killer dad would definitely Take that come box. up. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she's not confident enough with her capabilities to pass a polygraph. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Um so that, that was one of those little things where I was like, don't get hung up on this because, again, this is a movie about haunted animatronics. Obviously, her taking a polygraph to become a police officer isn't a vital part of this process. I was going to say, if that's the one thing you're going to get hung up on throughout this movie, then you've, got, you've really misjudged this situation. Half a star, just because of the polygraph. <laughs> Um, it, I definitely got some laughs out of it and there were like some jump scares and stuff, but I didn't have like super strong emotions in either direction. Um, you know, like I said, I've, I've watched a lot of playthroughs and there's definitely a lot of anxiety that comes even like not playing the game, but sitting there watching other people play. And I would have liked to see them utilize more of the game plan, like, you know, having to to use the screens more. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been amazing if they had just kind of taken that a little bit further when they ran with it. Um, there were definitely a lot of unanswered questions for me. 
like how exactly he was able to make the kids forget. Like I know obviously the pictures played a part in that, but it's just, it's hard to imagine them, you know, forgetting something that would be so traumatizing for them as yeah. kids. So I would hopefully, cause we'll obviously get a sequel at this point. Um, I'm kind of hoping they might go with that a little more because it would be nice to, you know, even if it's just as simple as ritual magic or whatever, just to know yeah, how they kind of credit that. Um, and like Mark said earlier too, I'd like to know where Garrett ended up. Like if they were going to put a security guard into an animatronic, why would he have not put Garrett into one? Um, and, you know, they were going to put Abby into one. So I'm curious as to why such a pivotal character didn't end up showing up somewhere when all the other kids did. So that kind of bugged me. Um, but I, at the end, too, I did really enjoy the irony of him getting caught, William Afton getting caught in his own suit. Yeah. Like, he's obviously this evil genius. Why would he not take some level of safety precaution with his own suit but all of that being said like it was a really fun watch like i said i you know i watched it three times this week partially to make sure i was prepared but you know i, I really did enjoy watching it um it's just like little things that i kind of got caught up on and that again happened the more i watched it the more i noticed these things so i i gave it a six out of ten because i'm a normal person rate out of ten so, oh, bad. Fuck you know, I just felt that in the gut. That Jesus. Oh. Well, from a normal person who rates out of ten uh, to someone who's not normally rates out of five, uh, Mark, <laughs> what do you think of this movie? I don't know. I'm still winded from that cheap jab. Then, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> so yeah, for me overall, like I said, I have no connection to the game. So for me, I went in completely blind. I had no sort of preconceptions of what this film should be or what it shouldn't be. I know there is a lot of stuff in here that is certainly aimed towards fans of the games and they would probably appreciate those elements a hell of a lot more than I would have done. Um, but overall, as a concept from movie from start to finish, I really enjoyed my time with Five Nights at Freddy, which was something that really surprised me. I was expecting to go in and not necessarily bash on this film, but just not really enjoy it as much as I found myself coming away from enjoying it. Um, it's certainly not without its flaws. There is a lot of plot points that I feel were left unanswered, stuff that we've already touched on throughout the episode, so I'm not going to dive into too much again now. Casting-wise, I think everybody was bringing their A game, especially the lead guy. I can't remember his name now, something Hutchins. As I've said, he doesn't normally strike me as a guy who can carry a film from start to finish, but I thought he did a fantastic job. His character arc was something that was very well cast for the type of actor that he is. He was very well suited to this role. Um, obviously, I have major gripes with Vanessa, who is the female cop. She is dreadful. There's some scenes in here where she, like, there's one scene where she gets, like, a reveal made to her, and she kind of stumbles back into a table, and it is the most horrendous bit of acting I've ever seen. Like, laugh out loud. It took me completely out of the scene in the moment. I was just saying, that's brilliant, as if you actually <laughs> thought that was passable. Um, 
so yeah, so for her, I think she was massively miscast. Matthew Lillard's character, as great as the screen time is that he gets, I do feel like he was quite underutilized, and I would have liked to have seen more from him. But as you mentioned, if this is set out for being a trilogy, he'll probably come back with a bigger force in the next movie. Um, animatronics, amazing, practical effects, outstanding, literally mind-blowing that this is all done practically and not CGI. I found myself constantly trying to check for moments where I was like, got to be cgi in this scene and obviously it's not and it, and it looks incredible and i'm annoyed that it's so good <laughs> not because i'm annoyed by the movie but just because i'm just annoyed that it just the capabilities of what they achieve in this film is just so undeserving to the content of the actual movie and um, how many studios now will be tapping on the door of jim henson studios going um we'd like to hire you please but why would they not you have one of the greatest puppeteers in all existence as a company, and nobody calls on him in horror, which is a genre which thrives on practical effects and puppeteering. It's like, just get Jim Henderson to do all of your horror movies from now on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was a stellar point in the movie for me. It was really, really good. There's a great blend of comedy in here that's done subtly enough where it's not shoved down your face. I really like that side of things. Um, overall, as a plot from point A to point B, I found it very, very predictable. I knew very early on how this was going to play out and where it was going to go. It didn't bother me to the point where I was like, oh, this is a very predictable movie because there's enough meat on the bones with the subplots and everything else that come with it to sort of flesh out everything else in between. But if as a point A to point B, it's a very straightforward story with not too much diversion from where you expect it to go when you're watching it. I'll stop rambling and I'll just basically say this is better than I expected it to be. It's a very good two hours well spent, in my opinion. I didn't begrudge the time that I spent with this movie. There's a, It's an hour and 49 minutes and I feel like there's a little bit here and there that could have been condensed to bring this down to maybe... Two hour, an hour and 40, maybe an hour and 35, which would have made it a little bit more consistent and better paced. But overall, it was fun. It was fun. And I didn't expect to be sat here saying that. Um, to give it a score, it's not going to be scored too highly. Um, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Okay. Purely based on the fact that I just think like there is elements that don't necessarily appeal to what I want from a horror movie. It's not as R-rated as I would like it to be. It's not as gritty as I would like it to be. But again, I don't feel like I'm the target audience for this movie. They're trying to welcome in, as we've mentioned already, a various age rating from 12 to 17 to then have homages and nostalgia moments from people who are older who played the games as kids. And I think like it, it does accompany all of that very, very well. Yeah. Um, as a yeah, gate- this is a very teen teen horror movie, if you will. Yeah, as a gateway horror movie, this is great. Yeah, yeah, especially if you have reference points to the games and you played those as kids, or you are currently playing those as kids. It's a very, very solid introduction to horror. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen an R-rated cut of this and have all of that stuff included and fleshed yeah. out. Jason Blum, are you listening? We need an R-rated version of this like we got with Megan, please. Yeah. Um, for me, hold on tight, folks. Um, everyone compare this to Willy's Wonderland, and honestly, there's no comparison. This looks better. It's got a better story. It's more fleshed out. And 
a hot take. It's not a cheap knockoff of Five Nights at Freddy's, which is what Willy's Wonderland is. This is the original and the only Five Nights at Freddy's movie. And in my opinion, it is the best. Um, things I loved about this, the effort that was taken to make, especially the restaurant game accurate and the, the animatronics game accurate appearance. They didn't go, well, they look a bit cuddly in the thing. Let's let's horror them up a bit. They just went, that's what it is in the game. Jim Henson, make us that. And it just worked. Matthew Lillard, crazy psycho killer again with a few screen references honestly just warmed my soul watching this like the first time the little girl goes i'll be right back i literally leapt up i was like fucking yes and then with the, <laughs> knife, then with the knife swipe i was like this is amazing and then when matthew Lillard rounded it all off by going i always come back i was like yes you do <laughs> oh, um, i hate this movie for that alone i'll scrap um, say otherwise <laughs> um josh hutchinson in this movie is fab He's really, really good beyond what I thought he would bring in this movie. He's a good actor, but I very much thought he would phone this in and he didn't. Um, Piper Rubio, who plays Abby, also great. I thought she was wonderful. Um, This feels like when you're watching elements of this movie, it feels very much like gameplay. And I really appreciated that. Practical effects are amazing. It's Jim Henson. I expect no less. The animatronic animatronic characters are next level good. There's not another movie that has animatronics of this quality. And I just I've never seen I've never seen a puppet move and walk around and have facial expressions and move all its arms and look real. These look real. And that uh, hats off to Jim Henson. They absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, Things I didn't like. And there is quite a bit i didn't um there's not enough kills in this it's really light on kills the cop character was too weird and she's just so in your face and like i know you're weird and i know you're dodgy from day one and it just killed any shock value of a reveal because i knew she was involved from the moment she opened her mouth it's really predictable movie which is a bit of a shame i could have done with the dream sequences being cut down we got like six dream sequences in this. They could have done that in three and still given us the same context and depth. I think they were, they used too many. Um, I think, yeah, three would have been enough. I think the five or six we got was excessive. Um, this movie was a huge nostalgia pop for me. I played these. I've not played them for a while, but I played these games. I'm currently playing Five Nights at Freddy's VR, which is great. Um, it is the best movie video game movie horror adaptation for accuracy by miles no man i've watched silent hill recently the year line but no so this is so game accurate there's elements they've changed but like the bits that are like the game it is so game accurate game accurate to the point you can put them side by side game accurate silent hill's amazing we've reviewed that on the show i, I love silent hill this is more accurate to the games than Silent Hill is. Um, it's an eight out of ten for me. It's it, it, it's it's scored high. A lot of those points are from the nostalgia I got from it, but I really really enjoyed this. Um, One thing you mentioned earlier about the um, the dream sequences you could have done with condensing, I don't feel like that's right to say because they are pivotal to showing a progression of time. 
So like it's not like they could cut them. They, they they happen simultaneously to show that it is now night. He's dreaming. He's sleeping, and then we're on to the next day, or he's woken up. It, it's, I think it's a good element to show the passing of time. Um, so I do slightly disagree with what you're saying about the dream sequences. I understand what you're saying, and I get your point, but I do feel like it is pivotal to show progression or, of time throughout the movie, or make them different because they're very very samey. It yeah. is the same dream sequence again and again. Give me the first bit of the dream sequence. Then when we do the next one, give me the next bit. Then give me yeah, the next bit. So like bit. he kind of picks up back at the end of the first one. Yeah, yeah. No, I get, I get that. I yeah. get that. Yeah, I, I just found them really samey. And like when he goes into like his fifth dream sequence, I was like, ah, we're off to Here see the kids again. <laughs> but then he also at the same time does make a point of trying to relive that same situation to try and gain clues and insight to what happened to his brother. So. I, yeah, I I understand what you're saying, but I also feel like that is very important to the movie that the way they played out. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. But again, it's it's good score for me, eight out of ten. He's he scored okay across the board, to be fair. Um, that's it for another week. Uh, before we go, Tasha, can you please tell us about what you do? Tell us about the Ghoulish Gallery. Tell us about the Sinister Scoop. Tell us where to find you and all of that good stuff, so everyone can go and follow you and badger you and harass you. Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start. Um, so the Ghoulish Gallery has <laughs> kind of been put to the side for the majority of this year, but we'll be starting back up next year once I've had time to get settled in and stuff. Um, for that, I like to talk to, it's not limited to horror fans, but it's kind of turned into that. Um, people from all over the place who have like, you know, the different horror stories that they grew up with, excuse me, um, you know, their local cryptids or haunted houses and famous hauntings and things like that. Um, cause it's just, it's fun to pick up on all these stories that are local. They're super famous, but they just never make it out of their little town. Um, <laughs> the scoop, we do movie book review some games i'm hoping to get more into the game side um we've started getting more editorial stuff like top lists um you've given us quite a few opinion pieces so we love to see those coming in mark will get you work back into the fold i feel bad like everything has taken a hit this year with with the kind of year it's been um but we actually just had Becky joined This Girl Loves Horror. Um, she's been wonderful to have on board with us. So we're looking to keep growing. She does a bit every Thursday where it's she picks a movie that came out in a previous year during that week and revisits that movie. And that's our kind of throwback for, for each week. So we're always looking for new people who are interested in sharing their things and their opinions and yeah, hot and, takes, whatever they got. And one thing that you won't shout about that you should shout about is if anyone out there needs any editing, uh, written editing assistance, Tasha can do that to a level that is unparalleled. Whereas I've written articles and Tasha's like, yeah, I'm going to fix your really bad grammar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know about unparalleled, but, you know, I every editor knows the struggle of like just tweaking things without changing the voice of the author yeah so that especially as i've you know as we've gotten more contributors and and stuff like that like that's gotten extra important with those things but i do do 
freelance work on the side. So yeah. So if you're writing a book or you're writing articles or you need something that needs editing, it's not free because this is a skill. This is it's not a free service. Uh, but reach out to Tasha at Sinister at the Sinister Scoop on social media and she will be oh, able gotcha. to give you costs and help you with that as well. And yes. also go, go um, and follow her and do all the other good stuff. Go check out the Ghoulish Gallery. Uh, there's quite a few episodes up now that you can listen to. It will return next year. So, yeah, go, go and show Tasha some love because she deserves it. She's had a Tasha's had a rough year this year. We won't go into <laughs> it, but it, it's not it's not been a good 2023. It's been rough. <laughs> um, and on Instagram, it's usually the easiest, um, the Sinister Scoop. And then I actually have a pinned post that's got all of our social media because we're on Blue Sky Slasher X slash Twitter or whatever craziness he cooks up today. Um, like everything we're threads we're all over the place i am learning to try to keep up with all of them i don't again i don't know how you do it but uh, magic magic yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next week me and mark are taking you for a train ride across south korea uh in a zombie movie that apparently redefined a genre um it will see about we'll see about that next week um next week I'll if start. you haven't guessed is train to busan um I know it's a fabulous episode. I know it's one of the best episodes we've ever recorded because we've already recorded it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But until then, why is your ringtone so tacky? (laughs) Nice. See you all later. Cheers, guys. See you next week. Bye. And, oh, before I forget. I'll kill you if this is a joke. You want to die tonight? The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. Why isn't it possible? I can't say nothing. A candy man would get me. You choose the movies. I had a heart on this morning when I woke up, Tina. Had your name written all over it. You score them. Nice fucking model! You review them. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Why not, you stupid bastard? My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Captain Howdy. You don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. My goddamn soul. There's a beer. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. Right, hello secret listeners who stick around till the very, very end of our musical credits and are playing our secret game that not many people know about. Uh, This is where you're playing for a guest spot on the show in 2024 and all you need to do is complete a small challenge to be included in this. Uh, You can't tell anyone about it, it's got to be secret. If anyone questions you on what you've posted or what you've commented, you cannot reply to them. If you do, you're disqualified from the game forever, not just for this one time. Um, I'm going to make on a post on our social media when this comes out. And all you need to do is share it or repost it. That's as simple as that. So I'm going to do a Five Nights at Freddy's post. Any one of the posts I do this week, share it, retweet it, add it to your story. Just as long as you tag us, I will include you in the game. If you're on Slasher where you can't share it and you can't retweet it, All you need to comment is, I see you. And that's it. And you're in. Um, So, yeah, thank you for playing with our secret little bit. And um, 
We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.